0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Consider with me some passages of scripture. We're going to go back uh, where we were last Wednesday night to the 27th and 28th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, just ask the Lord to create in in us something that can sustain us. Amen. I'm in this for the long haul. I want to finish And uh, I want to finish with great faith and not just stagger across the line. Amen. Let's just pray over the word, shall we, and ask the, the Lord to just speak something to our hearts here this evening. I believe that he can and I know that he will. Lord, I love you today. And I ask you now in great faith that you would just allow the spirit of your word this evening to just pierce and penetrate our heart and let the anointing of the Holy Ghost Speak to us and minister to us. As a matter of fact, God, I just ask you, as the apostle Paul spoke to the church at Rome, to allow your spirit to impart something into our lives here tonight, that we might be established, that our steps, Lord, would not be wayward, but that we'll be established in you, in Jesus' name, amen. I count it an honor to always preach the word of God, and uh, whether... No matter what the setting, I just appreciate the invitation and the honor to be able to speak about the Word of God. It's true. It is forever settled. <laughs> it's something you can count on. You can, you can nail your life down on the Word of God. Last week, I, I started a message knowing that I would not be able to get through all of it, and uh, I spoke about standing in the storm, and I think tonight would be a good night to continue on. <laughs> since we just endured one of the one, one more bad storm just a few moments ago. My text has been focused on the closing chapters of Acts uh, 27 and, and uh, 28. I mentioned at the closing of our message last Wednesday night that Paul, the apostle, had been warned of an impending storm. And uh, he told them that this would not be a good time to sail. This would not be a good time to leave. There was a warning, and by the same token as I mentioned then, I will repeat tonight just to kind of bring us a little bit up to speed, that I believe that we as Holy Ghost filled men and women tonight know something that non-believers don't know. Amen. I believe there is a sounding in our spirit that a storm is coming, and I am not standing here to paint anybody's world gray, but I am not here tonight as well to just play church. There is a storm coming. We see changes happening in our world and we understand fully that it is nothing more than the shaping of God's imminent return for his church. And we are closer today than we have ever been. And I wanna leave this world saying if the Lord doesn't come before I leave this world, he's still coming. Amen, he is still coming. We are in a time of dramatic and very rapid change. We know that judgment is ultimately coming and we must warn. We must warn. Tonight we're going to look at some principles that I believe we can find in the life of Paul and we can emulate them, pull them into our own life and uh, if you want to figure out how somebody survives we need to trace their life and, and, uh, and see what they have been doing to bring them to that place in their life. And, and uh, when we encounter storms, and we will encounter storms, I heard someone say, and, and again, I'm not going to be dismal the whole night, so just stay with me here. I heard someone say, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, he said, it seems as though that we're either getting ready to go in a storm, we're in a storm, or we're just coming out of a storm. <laughs> and, uh, well, that sounds pretty bleak, doesn't it? But But... To those that have been around the block more than one time, you can relate to that. There, uh, There is uh, there is that reality. And so I think that we can find strength in the word of God. And uh, that word of God, of course, that's sort of a blanket statement. We can find strength in the word of God. That's true. I think to be more specific that we need in that comment, we need to be more specific in our endeavor, in our search. And so let's put our finger on the lies of someone and trace them out. And let's follow them. And that man for this evening is the Apostle Paul. A lot of times when uh, difficult times or seasons come our way, tall mountains come our way or low valleys come our way, we want out. Can I get a resounding amen? Amen. If not a resounding amen, would you just shake your head? When difficult times come, we we just want out. We just thought, if I could just figure the way out. But many times, God has us where we are in order to teach us something that he wants us to know that's imperative for our lives. And uh, that is not just a preacher's. There's truth to that, that God has me here because he wants to show me something. He wants to work something in me. Perhaps he wants to work something out of me, whatever the case may be. Let's look together at Romans 8 and 35. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, 35, 6, and 7. Paul asked this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, normally, when we consider this scripture, this passage of scripture here, we're kind of standing up on the pulpit, got our arms in the air. You know, just kind of leaning over the eve of the building and saying, who shall separate from the love of Christ? But let's think about this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And then Paul says, Nay, in all these things, what things, what things we were just talking about, verse 35, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now there's a strong implication from this passage of scripture. We rejoice in verse number 37 But there is a strong implication that we may have to face some of those things. I may have to face tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril of sword. But in all of those things, I know that God will not remove himself from me, that we will not be separated in that season of storm. And as a matter of fact, he promised that we would be more than conquerors. And so I'm thankful for that. Paul, uh, I think, had some things... In his life, some attributes in his life, not just the things we're going to talk about here tonight, but since you don't want to stay all night, and I agree to that, we're just going to talk about a few of them. Amen. There are some things that I believe stand out in the life of Paul in these particular passages of Scripture, and I have often referred to and and mentioned how um, I marvel at Paul's ability to be single-minded, that he never lost his focus. Now, I don't want to meander too many or too much tonight, but i I, I think about this. I have never really been someone to uh, a fan of boxing or somebody that keeps up with that, but I, I also don't live in a vacuum. So uh, I've often thought about men who who make a living or even as a sport will get in a ring and box, and somebody will just knock the thunder out of them. And the person who just had his lights almost turned out still has the presence of mind to move and to swim and to keep fighting. I mean, if somebody just come up and hit anybody in this building, because I'm not going to take all this by myself because you're looking a little self-righteous right now from this vantage point. But I think if anybody just came up to you and out of the clear blue just almost turned your lights out, I think for the next few moments, certainly for the next few seconds, you would be trying to figure out where that bolt of lightning comes from. But to men who can stay with a presence of mind enough, to say, you almost turned my life. I mean, their knees just went down, but they had the presence of mind enough to stay with it, to keep going. Maybe that's a poor illustration for spiritual things. You're looking at me a little crooked, but when I think about the Apostle Paul and his ability to stay so single-minded, and then what I want to really point out is what I really admire about the Apostle Paul was his ever-present God consciousness that he always thought about God and the kingdom from all we can garner from scripture. And I believe that nothing is really hidden, hidden from us because we see men and women at their best and at their worst. And so in the face of imminent danger, time and time again, Paul just had this God consciousness about them. Now, I'm, I'm proud to say tonight that, that the apostle Paul is not the only person I've met. I have several friends, several friends that possess this kind of God consciousness. I mean, when you're around them and, and you're talk they're just always talking about the Lord and good things about the Lord. And, and even times of trial and tribulation, they just seem to have a God consciousness about them. And I admire that quality and I want that. I want that. I want to possess that. It was in Acts 27 and 23, if we'll look at that again, the Bible says, this is Paul, for there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. God was standing by Paul's side in the midst of this storm and and I would suggest to you tonight, uh, measuring this crowd in my mind, that I know that God has stood beside you in your storms as well. We may not necessarily hear an audible voice and, And we may not necessarily feel a warm embrace, but I'm going to tell you, if we can maintain a God consciousness, I think that we will have the presence about us to be able to sense his spirit when it is near. Time and time again, God reminded Paul of his presence. And and no doubt, I think it was in those seasons when Paul needed it the most that God would just show himself strong. He would show himself present. God knows exactly what we need, but I'm also thankful tonight to tell you that He knows when we need it. Because sometimes it's not just what is said, but it is when. It is when it is said. That means so much. It becomes so valuable. He knew that Paul could use some encouragement or some assurance. Last week, I mentioned to you about uh, the passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 23 and verse 11. While he was in that prison cell in Jerusalem, this is why Paul could be so sure that everything was gonna work out when he was speaking to those in later chapters about going to Rome. How, where did he get that kind of courage from? It came from Acts, an experience that happened in Acts 23, 11, because while he was in prison in a cell in Jerusalem, the Lord appeared unto him and said, just like you have represented me in Jerusalem, you're gonna represent me in Rome. Now, he didn't fill in a lot of the blanks. As a matter of fact, he didn't fill in any blanks. He just said, you were here and you're going to be there, so just take courage. And so for all practical intent and purposes, the apostle Paul was all alone. Paul wrote these words. Listen, in 2 Timothy four sixteen, the Bible says that my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I wonder how many in this audience can relate to that at least feeling whether it's 100% accurate or not. At my first answer, nobody stood with me. As a matter of fact, all men forsook me, but I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord Lord stood with me, and he didn't just stand with me with his hands in his pockets. The Bible says, and he strengthened me, and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And so men may have forsaken me but God stood with me and God strengthened me in my time of despair, in my loneliest hour God was right there. I'm gonna tell you this evening that God is not relegated to the lowing of a choir. God is not relegated to the beat of a drum. God is not relegated, nor is he limited to uh, the praise of an audience. I'm going to tell you that in our home, in our car, in, 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 our, in our personal altar, all by ourselves, God can show up and he can strengthen us in that moment, in that season. So in a very special way, God reassured Paul of his presence, even in a prison cell. Of course, here in Acts 27, the Lord sent an angel to reassure him. That means that we can take, we can take heart, that in, even in the face of danger, God's voice can speak to us and dispel the, 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 the feeling and the spirit of uncertainty. We can do all of those things because we have an awareness that God is with us, that God consciousness. When it seems like our life is just absolutely going to fall apart, we know that it's not. Because we feel and have a sense of God's presence in our lives. Are we? Are there always answers to life's questions? No. Can we find sometimes easy solutions to life's problems? No. Can we illogically explain what's going on in our lives at times? Absolutely not. Sometimes we can look back and realize later that God did mean it for good and we can kind of make sense of it and connect the the dots and the puzzle pieces and we can in retrospect say oh I see but I'm going to tell you I've been through storms that never have made sense to me never and God has never felt up to this moment any (laughs) uh, he's never felt obligated to whisper anything explanation wise in my ear I just came through it got beat up got cut up got sewn up got healed up and I don't make any sense of none of it. But God had a purpose and a reason for it all. And he was with me through it all. There will be times when things will happen that we'll never understand, of course. But we understand that God is with us. And I have that hope in my heart that he is going to go with me through the storm. Secondly, I think the, one of the characteristics that we can see in the, in the life of Paul is something that he declares to us in Scripture and that same passage, Acts twenty-seven twenty-three, where he said an angel stood by me this night, he said, "Whose God I am, or whose I am?" He said, "There stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am." And so there is there was an a confidence, an assurance in the life of Paul that he was uh, that he belonged to God. My life is in your hands. <laughs> We don't just sing about that. We live about that. My life is in your hands. My life is in your hands. Paul says, amen, that it is the God; it is to God that I belong, and so I am his. And, you know, we don't really like to refer to this a whole lot or think about it a whole lot, but the Bible lets us know that we've been bought with a price. We're not our own. There's truth to that. We are not our own. There are many analogies that we have in Scripture between the Lord and the church or the Lord and us, He uses the analogies at times of the bride and the groom. Many, many things he refers to us as. But he also says that we are his sheep. That, of course, assures us that the Lord is looking out for us. But I think it's interesting that the Lord refers to us as sheep. I find it comforting to know that we are the sheep and he is the shepherd. But when you start peeling back the layers... I don't want to insult anybody here tonight, but I'm, t- I'm included in this, of course. But the Lord, when He chose sheep as an illustration or an analogy, He chose one of the most unintelligent animals in creation. Sheep are known to go astray, they are known for following others, even if it leads them to their own destruction. They are known to keep following the sheep in front of them even if they're being led to the slaughter. That's what sheep are known for. Sheep are known for making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. Please be seated. They're known for being easy prey to the predator. None of those are titles that we want. Or they're not attributes that we want to embrace or even pretend that's why it's as quiet as a church mouse. We don't even want to amen that because we don't even want to fall in that category. But, but I'm going to tell you in an odd way, we find ourselves there. Mistakes again and again. Following others through our own destruction. To our own destruction. Sometimes influenced by the world's worst things. Amen. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We have that, that tendency to follow the crowd even if it leads us to our destruction. That's why as not, not the main shepherd, but as a shepherd, a pastor shepherd, that is why I have tried to sound this warning to us, the church in general, that when the world is beating a path to something, we need to pause. <laughs> Don't get in those lines just because we going that way. If that's what everybody else is doing, the church needs to give pause and say, wait a minute, wait just a minute. Now, I'm not necessarily trying to say that everything is wrong or everything that the world will be chasing is wrong, but we need to pause and find out before we just get in line and sign up for that. There are many, many other analogies in the Bible. Many times the scripture says that we are God's children. First John uh, 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So we're referred to as children. And so I think there's great consolation in that. We, are, we are see many things that he refers to us as, a bride. Sheep, children, and perhaps many other things. I think another reason the the Apostle Paul remains steadfast is found in the fact that he never forgot his mission. He never forgot his mission. And so he could stay on task because he understood his mission and he embraced that. I am on business for the king. (laughs) That was Paul's mission. I am on the business, I am on business for the king. And so I'm going to be steadfast in what's going on. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay focused. And so many times if we're not careful that if in the course of a day we're not focused on the task at hand or the main thing at hand, we'll start chasing so many other things and at the end of the day we've accomplished nothing. We've been very busy and we're physically and mentally exhausted but we've really accomplished nothing because we've just done a little bit of everything and not completed anything. And so Paul understood I am on business for the king. That was also found In verse number 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. I serve him. I am on his, I am incorporated, I am enlisted in his armory. And so he was going to go where God instructed him to go. And the Lord said, you're going to Rome. You're going to appear before Caesar. You're going to represent me there. And so just stay with it. And so when we're doing the work of God and doing his will, we are under the protection of God. He is going to take care of us. Yes, he will. That doesn't mean that that, that there'll be no wounds or there'll be no scars, but God is going to take care of us. He's going to sustain us. When we stray, I think that when we stray away from the of the king. We should not necessarily expect God's blessings and provisions in our life. And Many times and I'm just going to confess here tonight but I don't think I'm alone. There have been times that I've stepped out of the will of God and I've felt God's hand of, of blessing lift from my life. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful for the, for those that are agreeing with that. You've experienced that where, where you just kind of feel like God just kind of backs up and says well I'm not going there now. And so i got to figure out what I've got to do to get back connected to God and so I want to make sure that that his hand is upon me his hand of protection his hand of blessing and and I want that on my life and so sometimes it may be the very lack of God's blessing and the very lack of God's protection that brings us back to our senses to say wait wait a minute wait I need God on my life I need God uh, to to bless this effort and uh, and so I want to come now uh, to the 25th verse Paul was also fully convinced, fully convinced that the God he was serving was faithful. He didn't just sing about it on Sunday and forget it Monday. But he was convinced even in the prison walls that God was faithful. In verse 25 of Acts 27, he said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. God is going to perform his work and he's going to keep his word. And so Paul when you look at him not just in Acts 27 but if we go all the way back through the the, the ministry and the life of Paul, Paul always just seems like somehow or another to rise to the top. Now I, I Not saying that he rose to the top without any bloodshed, without any pain or sorrow, but Paul just somehow seems to always come out on top. He has the ability to seize every moment that comes his way to preach the gospel. Going all the way back to the book of Acts 6, to the chapter 16 of the book of Acts, when we find Paul and Silas thrown in jail, beaten nearly to death, instead of murmuring and complaining and Blaming one another, the Bible says that they prayed and sang praises unto God. Isn't that what the scripture says? I know I'm condensing all of this down, but it's just a few frames later in the picture that we see the jailer that was holding them, the jailer that had probably induced a little bit of the pain and and inflicted some discomfort to them, that same jailer was asking them, what must I do to be saved? Somehow or another, in the face of all of this opposition, Paul could sense ministry opportunities and he would seize them, seize them. I'm challenged by people that have that God consciousness, that that awareness around them to seize those moments and those opportunities and, and see them and if, And if I'm not careful, I will sleep past those moments or I will be distracted past those moments. And so I want to keep myself surrounded by people that challenge me to understand this may be an opportunity to preach. This may be an opportunity to witness. This may be an opportunity to, to, to be a Christian. This may be an opportunity to show the right spirit. Amen. And so that's what happened in Paul. Then he was brought before the leaders Rome one after another after another all these various dignitaries he just became the master of every situation realize now he was the prisoner (laughs) he was the one being drugged to their judgment table and yet he turned the tables when he got before these great men not because he was slick willy not because he was sly not because he was he was just a man of great finesse, but he was a man that was so positive of the power of God upon his life until he stood before men like Felix, and he reasoned of him, he reasoned with him of the righteousness, the righteousness of God and the judgment to come. I mean, he had every reason to shut up. He had every reason to stand quiet. But he said, you know what? I just can't let this opportunity pass me. Amen. And so he stood before these great men and he exercised self-control and he realized that God is in charge of this and he began to declare to them the infallible truths of God's word. And then before Herod, he was just as bold. Paul just didn't seem to be afraid of anybody or any situation. Now he ends up a prisoner on a ship But he ends up telling these men who wouldn't even listen to him a moment ago. They wouldn't even tell him the time of day. Just a few hours before. And now they're saying, Paul, what do you think we ought to do? Now, the same man that was a prisoner who was ignored, this same man... He's putting forth a plan of action. And he's telling them, an angel has stood by me tonight. And he's telling them everything to do, that everything is going to be okay. He said, not one person on this ship is going to be lost. The ship will be lost, but not one person on this ship, not one life will be lost. Paul's life wasn't easy at all. As a matter of fact, it was a very difficult life. But his words seemed to always be true that he penned in Philippians. It just seems like he didn't just say this but he lived it. In Philippians he said I have found that whatever state I'm in they with to be content. And so when people were patting him on the back content and when they were beating him on the back content. Whatever state I'm in I'm just going to let God use me in this situation. One thing that I, I want to uh, talk about this evening before we move past this very far I think it's interesting at least and you know, I, I, I found this interesting to me at least in the study of this and so I'm just going to share it with you when they came to the shore some men swam some men clung to pieces of the ship that were broken apart and the scripture said some just kind of came in on board so to speak <laughs> amen they, I, it may have seemed like an impossible situation but God did bring it to pass they got there differently but they all got there they got there scared out of their minds some of them were probably coughing up salt water out of their lungs but they were all alive they were all just like the Lord said this may be um, something that we don't think a whole lot about but what you see When God gives us a promise, he will bring it to pass. It may not come about like we think it's going to come about. It may not be packaged quite like we think it's going to be packaged. I don't know what flashed through those men's mind when he said that we may lose the ship, but not one person is going to die. Maybe somebody envisioned that they wouldn't even come close, but I suspect that some of them come very close to death. But they all lived. Paul did eventually make it to Rome. What he had awaiting him was not very pleasant. I'd already mentioned a moment ago that the prison that Paul wrote to Timothy in, when he wrote in 2 Timothy, when Paul wrote this, he wrote from a prison, and I don't even want to call this a prison prison, because many times when we think about prison, we think maybe of, even though it's not what we would want at home, but we think about at least the necessities were there. There, there would be a sink, there would be a, a bunk, there would be a, a semblance of a pillow, there would be a semblance of a blanket. But according to history, the prison that Paul was in was not a prison in this sense, but it was just a cave, just a dark, damp No windows, just a hole. And this is where Paul was waiting. This is where Paul was just abiding. And this is where Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy. From this dark dungeon, no doubt Paul could have been despondent. He could have been disappointed. He could have said, Lord, why have you allowed this to happen to me? I mean, have you not been keeping score? Have you not? Have I not proven myself to you? But as you look at Paul's life coming to an end, it ended on a note of victory and not in defeat. Now, I think that is important because I'm preaching about standing in the storm. I want to stand. I want to still be standing when the storm has ended, but I, I don't want to just be standing there punch drunk. I want to be there victoriously. I want to be standing triumphantly. We don't know when Paul actually stood before Caesar. We just know that God said he would. The Bible is not clear on every little thing. It's worth noting that if you look at things chronologically back at time in history and it was not long after that Paul appeared before Caesar or Nero Caesar is just like the word Pharaoh that just means leader. There were different different Pharaohs and, and when we think about a man by the name of Nero it was not long after that Nero began his relentless persecution against the Christians. History teaches us that Nero was responsible for torturing and putting to death more Christians than any other Caesar of Rome. Now think about this. Some have wondered if this hideous acts or, or, or behavior didn't happen after he met the Apostle Paul. I'm just leaving something for you to think about. I'm not trying to introduce anything new here. This is not, there's no way to prove this, but it's possible that that Paul appeared before Nero. Looking all the way back as he spoke to Festus and as Paul spoke to Felix And as Paul spoke to Agrippa, he's got a pretty solid track record of just telling it like it is, even in the face of imminent death. At the minimum danger, Paul was a man, and I don't try to paint him sarcastic, but Paul was a man on a mission. And so even in the face of valiant leaders, he's talked to them about the gospel and the kingdom. And so if that is true and that is true, then I have no trouble embracing the idea that Paul would not speak just this plainly to Nero. (laughs) Amen. He was a man on a mission. In fact, Paul may have looked at this as the only opportunity I may ever have to touch this man's life, so here it goes. I'm just offering this for your train of thought and food for thought. If that is the case and if... Nero's behavior turned so hideously after this encounter with Paul, then I say all of that just to make this point. It would pretty much typify the responses of non-believers who reject the gospel today. Just a week ago tonight, after church, I, I was glad to be able to catch Brother Everett just a minute there before church to kind of rehearse this in my mind. He and Brother Jerry and I were, on the, we were talking about... Um, this very thing. That there is a critical moment when people are are coming to the Lord and coming into truth. And that critical moment is that moment of revelation. Because now you're going to have to do something with what God has presented to you. Amen. Amen. You're going to have to embrace it or you're going to have to reject it. You're going to have to step into it or you're going to have to step away from it. And as we were talking about that, Brother Everett made a point. I'm not trying to just put his business in the street, but he made a point that I think is worth rehearsing to everybody here this evening. He said this. He said, he said one thing that I have found in this is that even if a person had remained neutral up until this moment, Once the light of revelation of God's truth shines in your light, you can never go back to neutral. You will either embrace this or most likely you will fight this. Amen. I'm I'm being very serious. I feel the presence of the Lord in what I'm saying here tonight. It's decision time. Once you see the truth of God's word, it is decision time. And we can't say, well, I didn't hear that. I didn't see that. I didn't." I, you can't go back in time. You can't unring the bell. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, so to speak. Up to this moment, you may have remained on the fence, but once God shows himself to you, then we have a decision to make. A person will go one way or the other. I'm speaking from experience. Often those who are the most vocal in opposing the gospel, here's what I have found to be true are those that are under the conviction of the power of God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes those that oppose it the most are those that are the most convinced of it, but they can't embrace it. And so they walk away, and then they become an opponent to the gospel. And so don't forget that the apostle Paul was one time introduced to us, or he was introduced to us as Saul of Tarsus. Amen. It was because he was under conviction that the Spirit of God began to speak to him and, and, and move in his life. Saul of Tarsus, I know you know this, but Saul of Tarsus had, had imprisoned believers, had, had persecuted the church, had, had put to death many in the church. He was, and he, 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 was, he had blood all over his hands, to say the least. But I'm gonna tell you that when he was holding the coats of those stone throwers, when he was standing there holding the coats of those men that were stoning Stephen, and he saw something in Stephen's life. I don't believe the I don't I don't believe that that Stephen was the first person he ever met that had a real genuine walk with God. I'm not implying that at all. I believe he put to death men of great faith and women of great faith, but there was just something about that moment that when he was standing there, the Spirit of God spoke to him and smote his heart. And he walked away from that scene, unable to shake it from his dreams, unable to shake it from his mind, unable to get those images out. That's why when the Lord responded to him on the road to Damascus, amen, when the Lord, when the Lord revealed himself, rather, to him on the road to Damascus, it was decision time for Paul. Amen. And I I am standing here tonight and and you know the end of the story that that when the Lord smote him and spoke to him, Paul's response is, Lord, Lord. He understood and he embraced and he acknowledged. And because of that, he became this fierce fighter for the kingdom of God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So it may have been, again, just something to think about. And these are, I'm just reading in history and I was just intrigued by this, that was it Nero in his persecution of the church that was responding to the conviction that he felt when Paul stood before him? Could have been, could have been. Finally, we know this. We do know that Paul's life ended. Again, the most common belief among Bible historians is that Paul was beheaded, but in truth, that's irrelevant. We just know that he died. By whatever means Paul left this world. Here's what we do know about the departing Paul. Second Timothy 4 and 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love is appearing I have no regrets that's what Paul was saying I would do it all again let me contrast that with just a couple of other lives that we find throughout scripture think of Solomon this great king who had experienced so much no man ever man ever as wise and yet what a fool Solomon turned out to be what a fool looking back Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2 and 11 you think about this as an epitaph so when this scripture comes up on the screen and I'm not trying to sound morbid but could you just imagine this being the tombstone and this the epitaph Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do and behold, all was vanity and vexation of the Spirit. There was no profit under the sun. Can you imagine that, your departing words? I've had it all. I've felt it all. I've tasted it all. I've possessed it all. And when I look at my hands, I see nothing, nothing. A tragedy to say. Paul, if I mean Solomon, if he were to say this in our language, he may have just said, I've I've wasted my life. <laughs> I chased the wind. I, I I spent it all and my life has amounted to nothing. 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 Can you imagine what a what a contrast? Or what about what about Saul, King Saul? In first Samuel 16. 26 rather, 1 Samuel 26, 21, the scripture just ends this way, and I'll read it for you. This is what Saul said of himself. I have played the fool, and I have erred exceedingly. He's at the end of his life. He's sitting on the front porch. The sun is quickly setting, and he realizes it, and he said, I have played the fool, and I have erred exceedingly exceedingly but he couldn't grab time and stop it and pull it back not one degree what a sad thing and so when you contrast that against the man I'm talking about tonight that says I have fought a good fight and I have kept the faith and I have finished my course so here's the very bottom line one of these days as our musicians come One of these days our lives will come to a conclusion. It is appointed unto man once to die. We're going to leave this human body and we are going to have to ask ourselves some hard questions. What will we say of our life? I think equally as important in in some respects, is what will others say about our life? What will others say? So it's no wonder that a man by the name of Paul just went about turning his world upside down. It's kind of a phrase that we use often. It's no wonder that God would allow Paul to accomplish so much. I think that we understand I think we understand that the book of Acts is a story of ordinary men and ordinary women who did extraordinary things I know that we have epitomized them and we put them on great pedestals and and I'm not saying we're wrong for that but what we have to understand is they were just common men and women who did extraordinary things they did so because they allowed God to have their way in his life, in their lives and so I want to just look one more time at at the sovereignty of God and the will of God and, and how we cooperate with the Spirit and the presence of God in our lives. There are many things that that God would have us do. And I believe, please don't pre-dismiss, please hear me. I believe that there is that God is sovereign. And I also understand that God has given us our own will. And we have the ability to say no. We have the ability not to show up. We have the ability to not be present. Think about 2 Chronicles 16 and 9 with me. This is what the scripture says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein hast thou done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. The eyes of the Lord are running back and forth throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of people whose heart is perfect. Heart is perfect toward the Lord. And so I would say tonight, if God were looking for us, I believe I've listed that scripture wrong. So the scripture I was after is that the Lord was looking for someone to build up a hedge, but found none. God was making, looking for someone to be there, but he found no one. And so tonight, if God were looking at us to fill in that gap, to fill in that space, to be that voice, would he find us? Would we be present? Amen. If God needs someone to be that person, I want to be that person. Amen. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you tonight as we stand, not particulars, because I don't remember particulars about it, but I know there have been times in my life where I've walked away from a situation and maybe got my car was driving down the highway when it dawned on me, you know what? That would have been a great time to invite them to church. I'm confessing tonight I'm not proud of this I've walked away from situations and thought later you know what I should have had prayer with them. I should have prayed I should have seized that moment I can't get back there I can't go back there and so I'm not suggesting that we would just perpetually beat ourselves up over that but I have said Lord let me use this as a learning tool and oh, God, help me to be sensitive next time. You, you had me there in that restaurant for a, a purpose. You had me there in that hardware store. You had me right there at that counter for a purpose. Help me not to laugh that away or help me not to just talk about so many things that are in general and not be sensitive to your spirit. And so if God were looking among us tonight, I wonder would he find someone that is there, that is there. I've been teaching on the subject, standing in the storm. As I mentioned a moment ago, I don't want to just stand. But when the storm passes by, I want to be able to say like, Paul, I've done my best. I've given all. I've done everything I know to do. And I know that's painting with a broad, broad, broad brush. But you see, if, would be the devil's pleasure to get us so caught up in our own storm that we forget there's people that need us Paul was in a storm but you know what Felix needed to hear Paul had his own problems his name was on the headline the front page of every newspaper in town but Agrippa needed to hear the gospel and so when the storm he stood. In the storm, he, he stood. And he became a voice, a voice of reckoning reason. Amen. I wonder tonight if we would just gather around the front. Can we do this and let the Spirit of God just speak to our heart? Let's not just do this out of habit. But we could we come and say, Lord, I'm asking you to keep your hand on me. Don't let me get so caught up in my own stuff that I forget that you have me planted for a purpose, that you filled me with your spirit, God, for a divine reason, and I don't want to lose sight of that. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.